<clears throat> well, I had a recent conference that I went to in the Bay Area where I spent the day in um, an Orthodox institution, an Orthodox um, sort of uh, institution that is housed at the Graduate Theological Union. It's not a church, but it's definitely a chapel um, and a place for students to come together to worship of all Orthodox traditions, whether Russian, Greek, um, American, Armenian, Syrian. And I spent the day there with uh, the priest and some of his other fellow workers. And, and as we sat together, um, prominently in front of us, there was an icon of the resurrection. And the icon of the resurrection um, had Jesus coming out of the tomb. And behind him, it had this shape. And you mathematicians will know exactly the name of this shape. I don't know what the name of it was. But it had two arcs coming together, just like so. And they came together at one point at the very top of where Jesus was to make a shape like something like a half of an eye. And I recognized that as I sat there because I thought as I looked at this image that there was one point in time that changed the rest of history. And there it is in that icon breaking into the very present. And as I looked at that icon, I was struck once again that the resurrection is the point in time from which all reality will be made different. One point that extends out through the rest of time. Well, the resurrection and the earliest witnesses to it knew this. And if you go back and you read the resurrection accounts, you can see little hints of this. But they knew that it was not just about the future. That it was about instead or alongside of the fact that it was about the future. It was about the future breaking in to the present. It was about the future breaking in to the present reality of human life and making it different. And I share this with you, this idea of this one point in time that changes everything on Christ the King Sunday because I want you to see that how we see that point in time, whether we believe that it exists or not, changes drastically the way that we see the life of the human being in general. That this, in fact, is not just an abstraction, it's not just an incidental, but it changes, actually, how we wake up in the morning every day. It changes how we interact with people from the parking enforcement clerk to the Starbucks barista, to the grieving family member, to the friend that we have not seen for a very long time. It changes the way that we interact with human beings. And though we may not realize it, when we affirm that the resurrection is in fact a historical reality, we are saying everything about what we believe for the future of humanity. You see, the resurrection, and as Paul is saying to his church in Corinth here, is more than just the future promise of life by the raising of the body. Though it is that, and nothing in this text negates that, nothing minimizes it, but what Paul wants us to see is, is that it's more than that. 
You see, if we affirm that one historical dot on the course of human time, then it changes how the rest of the arcs unfold. So make no mistake about it, when we affirm the resurrection, we say together the words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. But think about the fullness of that sentence. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting is one part of the fullness of what we affirm when we claim the resurrection. The resurrection is so big that it is not only limited to the future, but that it actually speaks today about the present. Because the most important thing that the resurrection can tell us, and Paul says this right here in this text, is that evil has been stayed. S-T-A-Y-E-D, it has been stayed. It has been boundaried. And Paul says it this way as he's talking to the, first, to the Corinthians. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You're still in your sins. Because they have not been conquered. They've just kept extending throughout time. And so as we think back on the life of people in the Corinthian church, how Paul might put that into play is all that work that you've done or that you're trying to do on tearing down limits and building community, no, impossible without the resurrection. All that work that you're trying to do in that talk about love, never-ending, and being the body of Jesus Christ? Nope, not without the resurrection, Paul says. Not a possibility. And what he means by that is just this, that in the raising of Christ, the power of evil has been weighed out. It has been measured And inasmuch as it has been measured, it has then been outdone. Because the resurrection not only signifies the end of death, it signifies the end of sin. And for Paul and for us, sin is everything that is without the idea of God's intention for us. Sin is pushing our limits outside of the reign of God's justice. And so in the raising of Christ, Paul tells us that evil has been weighed and it has been outdone in the person of Jesus. And therefore, the power of evil, even within our own hearts, it has been outdone by the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection actually works in time to change us and to bring us hope and to bring us into the space that we will call and that some currently do call as they live outside of the bounds of time in which we're in, the new creation. And through the resurrection, 
we bear witness not only to the life everlasting, not only to the raising of the body, but we also bear witness, we recognize that the, pro, that, the, that the purpose of the human being is not destined for futility. It's not destined for futility. We are not destined for futility. But instead, the reality of the resurrection gives us the promise that the human being always has the gift of possibility. That the human being always has the gift of possibility. No matter who you are, no matter what your story is, there is a possibility out there for you that is hidden in the reality of the resurrection and it is for you right now. It is also for your future but it is also for you right now. And this is the reason, and the reason above all else, why the Christian cannot and will not see any human being, African American, Latino, Native American, Asian, Pacific Islander, Eastern European, Western European, Indian, the Christian is not allowed to see anybody outside of the lens of Jesus Christ, outside of the person of Jesus Christ, which means that every person is filled with the ultimate possibility. As, Christian, as Christians, we are not allowed to see people and distinguish people on the basis of race. That is not something that the gospel permits us to do. We see people only through the reality and the person of Jesus Christ. And through that reality, we see every piece and part of their story. We do not negate their race or their story, but we first approach them through the lens of Jesus Christ. And if we are not willing to do that, then we are not functioning in accordance with the gospel. This is a distinctly Christian way to see the world. You see, you cannot be a believer in the resurrection and be a person of despair. You can be a person of grief you can be a person of lament. You can cry out, how long, oh God, will you leave us in this place? But to affirm the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is always to affirm that the last word over evil has been spoken and that it has been no. And that in that great no, God has issued a yes to the future of humanity. That evil has been conquered, that it has been boundaried, and that in Christ all will be made new. 
Now, I want to tell you that as people of faith, that then gives us the ground to stand on, to speak out, and to be positioned to speak out for the future of the human being. It gives us the ground to stand on to speak out injustice, speak out against injustice. It gives us the ground to stand on to notice where we see things going astray in our culture. It gives us the ground to stand on to come alongside those in our culture who are suffering. Because in as long as we come alongside them, we have the word of hope for ourselves and for them that the last word against evil and death has been spoken. And in the reality of the resurrection, that the future of the human being is one towards possibility in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know what can be more radical and less partisan at this particular moment in history than the resurrection of Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, this is our Christian distinctive. And no matter who you are, no matter what you are seeing right now in our culture, no matter what you are reading, you need to know this, that human life is not futile, and that the death and resurrection of Jesus changes everything, even for this moment right now. And that is our Christian distinctive. And no matter who we are, we need to hold on to that, particularly now, as we face whatever it is that is coming. We cannot let it go. If we lose the resurrection of Jesus, we do not just lose the idea of eternity. And this is what Paul is really trying to get his church to see. You see, he's saying it's not just that you're losing this idea of eternity. They have the idea of eternity with this whole idea of Plato and, and the reality of the life that they're living being sort of a shadow of the life that it is to come. So, so they had the idea of an afterlife. They didn't need the resurrection to give them that. They needed the resurrection to tell them that the power that evil had over their life now was calculated and outdone in the person of Jesus so that, in fact, they could live the way that God was calling them to live. And boy, have we lost that potency and that understanding of what resurrection means for us today. So I know that, you know, as we are in here in worship today, that we look at the cross, and we need to. But as in your mind's eye, I want you to think about three days after that. And I want you to imagine that point in time as a dot. And I want you to picture in your mind's eye that arc unfolding from that dot. That encompasses a whole new reality and a whole new set of what is possible. And in the icon that I sat in front of when I was in that Greek Orthodox space, Jesus has his arms outstretched to the women who are there in front of him. They've come to mourn him. But he has his arms outstretched, and as he touches them, the space behind them is no longer the earthly time in which they are living, but instead he is grabbing them in to a new future.
And yet the only part of them that we can see that has that new future behind it is their limbs and arms. Half of them is still outside. And that is where we need to live as the church today. That reality of the resurrection is not just for your memorial service. It is for tomorrow. And it should be pulling your hands and your arms all the way through so that you are tasting that new reality even as you exit this building today. And ultimately, that is the invitation of Christ the King Sunday. That we recognize that the coming King is come and is known not in the fact that he was seated on a throne like another king. That's not what gives him the power that he has. What gives this king the power that he really has is that he has measured evil. He has weighed out death. And it has become a finite concept to him. He has ended it on the cross so that there can be a reality that is beyond that. And Paul is clear that this invitation is extended to every human being. So let us follow the invitation that Paul gives us today. And let us worship Christ the King, the one who has measured out evil and ended it in his body. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the promise of this Sunday, for the reality of the historical resurrection being something that is true for us in our death, but it is also true in our life. That it changes how we interact with people. So Lord, let the words of the Apostles' Creed go with us as we go into the rest of our life this week the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.